With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. It's nice to be back on a live video format once again. It's been a couple of weeks since we have done so, but we are back and we have a lot to talk about. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be kind of a cluster because there's so many things happening right now, and we have ourselves an all Arizona matchup this week. So let's get to this. Let us introduce the players involved in this week's show. First, let us say hello to a man who launched a damn greatness grenade this morning with his piece about Clay Guida and the Wiley veteran's top career fights and moments in his just insane career from MMAfighting.com deputy editor. Mr. Sean Alshadi. Welcome back, my man. How are you? That is not Sean Alshadi. Sean Alshadi looking a little there different right there. <laughs> I'm liking the new hairstyle on Sean Alshadi. Uh, nah, man, it's good to be back. Uh, always enjoy stopping by with you fellas on this show. Although I will say today, I don't know that I appreciate what you're trying to do here, Mike Heck. So, so these seeds of dissension out here in the desert between my Arizona mm. brother and I, like, this is just, mm. I see. I see what you're doing, and I don't like it. Just letting you know. I would never try to play games like this as we introduce my tag team partner from in Jacksonville during UFC 273 fight week. The man is a monster, 100%. And he is a, a diehard Boston Celtics fan. Are you not, Jose True. Youngs? Are you enjoying this 2-0 lead the C's have over that butthead Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, well, I don't think Kyrie Irving is a butthead. We just kind of parted ways and he can do whatever he wants. He's no longer on my team. Out of sight, out of mind. We just happen to be playing him this weekend. Um... I am a hyper superstitious individual when it comes to sports, so I'm not even going to talk about whether we may or may not be up 2-0 because once I start talking about it, we'll probably lose. Because, But again, we might be up 2-0. We might not be up 2-0, but we're not going to talk about it. 
But anyway, yeah, I agree with Sean. What are we doing here? Like, everyone saw who I called out on Twitter. Like, it just didn't happen. I called out some jabroni from, I guess, I guess he went to the SEC. There's a few things that people that go to the SEC schools like to talk about. Going to SEC schools, football, and going to SEC schools. So uh, he watches MMA once, twice a week. So apparently he's not on on Thursday. So we're doing the Civil War this week, I guess. Especially on yes. a, a week, a, a moment of such pain for Arizona mm. right now. Like the, the mm. deep depression that this city has fallen into. Mm. Devin Booker, take my hamstring, mm. please. This is the window. We need this now, man. <laughs> it's this year or no year. Like it's got it. We got to figure this out. Listen, mm. I, I had I had to fill roles, you know, I had, I had to fill some spots. GC's not available this week. We're going to try to get this matchup in the works yeah. for next week or the foreseeable future. But Let's get into some MMA talk, gentlemen. Maybe let's take your mind off of the, off this Arizona versus Arizona battle. Maybe when the banter starts, we'll forget all about the friendship. But uh, let's start with this past weekend in the world of MMA. We're going to begin with certainly the biggest story by a country mile. AJ McKee suffered his first professional loss. He loses his featherweight title to the man he won the title from, Patricio Pitbull, a veteran-like showing from Pitbull, he looked great. He got the win. I thought it was a pretty a pretty clear win watching it the next morning without commentary or without social media. But it made me think about all the conversations we had following their first meeting about AJ McKee and where we rank him globally at 145, where we rank him in the pound for pound discussion. Scott Coker being the promoter saying that he thought McKee was not only the best featherweight in the world, but the best fighter on planet Earth. So, Sean, let's start with you. Look, there's no shame whatsoever in losing to a guy like Patricio Pitbull. But when the community was grading you so highly following that win in July, how much did McKee's stock take a hit this past Saturday with this loss? How much did Pitbull's stock grow from this win? I mean, I'll answer the first question first. I mean, he it took a big hit, if we're being real with ourselves, right? Because, I mean, this is someone who coming in, all the conversation was exactly what you just mentioned. Best fighter in Bellator, best fighter outside of the UFC in the entire world, maybe the best featherweight in the world that was getting thrown out as, as well. I think we all had him ranked in our top three featherweights in the world uh, at somewhere with the the Max Volkanovsky, you know, tier in that in that division and kind of went out there and just really laid an egg, man. Because I, I agree. I, I Upon a rewatch, I, I was much more convinced that that was a Pitbull win 3-2. I think they scored it right. And just you look back and there's a lot you can say about the way Bellator promoted that event, the way the matchmaking that led into that event, whether that fight was even the right fight. If you're trying to push AJ McKee into this next stratosphere, I don't think it was. We talked about all that pre-fight, but just regardless, the rhetoric we were hearing from AJ beforehand about how, you know, the UFC belt is inevitable. Uh, I'm going to need a million dollars per fight plus extra, these type of things. That stuff works when you're winning, when you're undefeated, when you're looking like a superstar out there choking out Pitbull in two minutes. That stuff does not work when you're losing very listless, um, you know, uneventful five-round decisions to the same guy that you just ran through in two minutes. So the, the way this whole thing could played out, I don't think it could have played out any worse for AJ McKee outside of just like, you know, really bad like knockout loss or something like that. Otherwise, this was pretty much a worst-case scenario because if that guy was trying to make big money elsewhere – uh, it's not happening anytime soon. Jose, wh- wh- where's AJ McKee's stock for you? I, I know everyone's got to take that first L at some point, but when everyone is just so high on you and you're saying the things you're saying, it was a close fight. It's not like this was, this is like 
almost Jan Sandhagen-ish in a way where it was close, like it was very competitive, but we knew who won coming out of it. At least I did. So, I mean, obviously they're two different fights, but that's kind of like how I felt coming out of it. Like great fight, cool, very close, very competitive, two guys who could fight a bunch of times and I'd watch all of them. But I felt Patricio Pitbull won the fight and I think there was any controversy here. But where does AJ Stock go? Well, first, I wouldn't necessarily compare it to Jan Sanhagen because that was my pick for fight of the year last year. And that was the exact opposite of what we saw with AJ McKee and Patricio Pitbull. It was a, it was a fight. It was a five-round fight. I agree. I scored a 3-2 Pitbull. I thought that was pretty clear after the fight, but there seemed to be some sort of quote-unquote controversy. But I just think that's a lot of people that wanted AJ to win maybe and they're trying to talk themselves into it or they're just part of AJ's team. Uh, it obviously took a massive hit because like I've said this a few times where when we see a lot of fighters – that are either coming up on their contracts, they're on losing streaks, they're on long winning streaks, and they're like, what do they have to win or lose? And I always say, well, let's see how the fight plays out because if they go out, like, perfect example, Gilbert Burns lost to a guy that was outside the top 10. On paper, if you don't know anything about that fight and you just see the number three guy fought the number 11 guy and lost, and the, the number 11 guy only has like eight career fights, you're probably like, wow, Gilbert Burns was super overrated. He lost to a guy that doesn't have 10 pro fights and was outside the top 10. Then you watch that fight, and that's a fight. That is the fight of the year, and Gilbert Burns' stock has never been higher, and he still lost. AJ McKee lost, and he lost a pretty lackluster, convincing decision. It doesn't get much worse than that outside of like a DQ or – uh, him getting choked out in a minute. We didn't really learn much from him. We just saw Patricio Pitbull made adjustments from the first fight, executed them, didn't buy into all the boos you heard in the in, in the arena because obviously fighting California, AJ is going to be the big hero. Crowd was displeased. Patricio Pitbull, the veteran, ignored it and just stuck to his game plan and won. So AJ McKee's stock took a massive hit because now he's not going to get the million dollars he wants from Bellator. He's probably going to get a mass. He still has, what, three fights left? Uh in the in on his Bellator contract, and he doesn't have the belt, and there's no guarantee he gets the third fight against Tricio Pitbull. Pretty much worst case scenario for AJ McKee. Yeah, and just to sort of reiterate, I'm not comparing the two right. fights in terms of excitement levels. I'm talking about how I felt when the fight was mm -hmm. over. Close fight, but one guy clearly won. So, kind of bouncing off what you just said, Jose, AJ McKee comes out after the fight and said, "I'm done with this whole 145 business. I'm going mm -hmm. up to 155." Now. All three of us and a lot of our colleagues were sort of in this business of we want these fighters to compete closer to their natural weights. We no longer want to see these massive weight cuts. Do you think his future is at 155? And, and if so, how does he stack up at 155 against a lot of these fighters? Because he was so effective at 145 using his size, his length. Your thoughts on maybe a potential move to 155, which it may not be potential in his eyes. Was that to me? To you, yes. Yeah, I mean, cool. If he wants to move up, there's a lot of fights I'd want to see him take at 155. I just want to see how his body adjusts to that because he's really skinny at 145. So is Conor McGregor. And we saw Conor McGregor go up and he slept Eddie Alvarez pretty like in a perfect game. And yeah, he's lost a lot of fights, but he's fighting the best of the best. I want to see AJ. I'm not saying there's tune up fight because he doesn't need a tune up fight at this point in his career because he's one of the like five greatest fighters and maybe top two fighters in Bellator history. Maybe not a title fight right away at 155, but you know, give him like uh, Peter Queeley, you know, maybe at 155. Peter Queeley is a big name, uh, well, quote unquote, big name. People recognize the name. Uh, you know, you guys know what I mean. People recognize the name, they recognize his gym, they recognize his teammate, Conor McGregor, throw AJ McKee in there. 
um, at 155, give him a nice test, see how his body adjusts, see how he looks, and then from there, like, like I, it reminds me of what Dustin Poirier said. When he moved up to 155 after his run at 145, it took him a while to feel like a lightweight as opposed to just a featherweight. That's not cutting weight, if that makes sense. Uh, and even Max Holloway has said that, and even a few other, and like Ryan Bader said that it took him a while to feel like an actual heavyweight as opposed to just a blown up 205er. So maybe don't throw AJ into a title fight right away. Maybe let his body adjust to the new weight class, and then he could be off to the races. But for all we know, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want to get locked into another uh, championship clause, and he just fights these out against three names that people recognize, and then he dips out to the UFC. He's got to win, though, but I want to see him fight. I do want to see him fight at 155. I think it would be really interesting in that division. What do you think, Sean? You think you think lightweight's his home? I mean, we're looking at the Bellator roster right now. Sydney Outlaw is number one in their rankings. We got Brent Primus, Benson Henderson, and Peter Queeley are fighting later on this year. Usman Nurmagomedov is ranked number four in their division at 14-0. We got Miles Jury, Dan Moret, Godzi Rabadanov, guys like that. I mean, do you think 155 is is the place for him at this point? Is it is this just like no more weight cutting, or do you think he will actually have a lot of success at 155? I mean, it feels like it has to be at this point. Like he he's he's talked extensively about how hard this weight cut is for him. He's not a small guy. Like he's five ten. That's that's decently big for for lightweight. Like he's not going to be outsized by a lot of lightweights. And also today too, we we saw. Uh, you know, I got the list of the fight night weights from the California State Athletic Commission today, and. AJ McKee was one of the biggest gainers on the whole card. He gained like 20 pounds between weigh-in day and fight day, which is like 24 hours. He went from 144 to 165, basically, in that span. So he he very clearly it should be fighting at lightweight at this point. Patricio Pitbull, for comparison, got up to about 159. So there's a, there's a, there was a bit of a difference there. So it does feel like he should be a lightweight. He probably should have already been a lightweight. Like the move was to to push him up to 155 and have him challenge for that second title rather than run into a rematch at the same weight with the same guy he already fought and ran through and he couldn't really better that performance. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. We've already gotten into that quite extensively uh, on other shows. But yeah, lightweight's the move. And I actually disagree with Jose. I feel like you just run him right into that pit bull, uh, Patricky Pitbull title fight because what else is going on at 155 right now for Bellator? It feels like that's sort of just sitting there waiting for, for them to to do. I like the kind of the storyline of you know lost to one Pitbull brother now coming for the other Pitbull brother. This it's it there's some you know it makes sense with with the way that they like to match make and the way they like to do things and also I I, I you know the in terms of the contract. I would be surprised. Obviously, we can't say for sure, but I would be surprised if AJ becoming champion again would then extend that contract out to another three fights in perpetuity with Champions Clause. I feel like, you know, without seeing the contract, it's hard to say, but I would be very surprised if there is not at some point an end date for that level of of the Champions Clause. So I wouldn't be worried in that respect, but obviously that's speculation. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a mystery at this point, but I think I'm with you. I don't think you can double up on Champions Clause. I think, like, once you're in a Champions Clause, like, you're just in it and then it ends when it ends. But uh, I did ask Scott Coker about it last night. You can watch an interview on the YouTube channel. Uh, he wasn't really willing to comment on the X's and O's, but he did seem confident that McKee should be a Bellator fighter for the foreseeable future. But Sean, I want to bounce this back to you because you mentioned it. AJ McKee has had a lot to say about what life would be like in the UFC. It's like going from West Philadelphia to Bel Air in, in his eyes, taking digs at Volkanovsky's performance against the zombie. Maybe it was a negotiation tactic, and who knows? Maybe it was McKee saying he wants to see how green the grass is 
in uh in Endeavorland. So let's just say let's just say McKee is a free agent right now. Let's just say he's a free agent. You're the UFC guy. You're you're booking these. You're you're making this happen. You're Hunter Campbell. You're a very powerful, rich man. How much do you think the UFC is going to pursue AJ McKee? Are they going to back up the Brinks truck? Or are they thinking, you know what? This loss is really good for us. Now we might be able to get this guy with a lot of talent and some big upside at a, at a little bit of a discount. I mean, I think they'd certainly still be interested, right? Like he's still a young guy. I think he's 27. Uh, he's obviously very, very talented. It felt like he got maybe a little too into his own hype heading into this past one. But we've seen just how talented he is in Bellator. Uh, so they, I'm sure they'd certainly be interested, but he'd probably, if we're being honest, probably going to take a pay cut. Like, I don't know that UFC is going to be paying him 250K to come in there and fight, you know, the number seven lightweight or featherweight, regardless, so depending on where he wants to be. Like, that's not going to, that's not how things are going to play out. He would probably need to take a pay cut if it was happening right now. He obviously still has a few more fights still in Bellator, so maybe he can re- rebound that stock and really get himself back to where he was before this past one. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure the UFC would still be very, very interested, but they're definitely not backing up the Brinks truck for AJ McKee anytime soon. I mean, you know, we, I, it's someone we talk about his star power a lot, but you, the reality is you look at, you know, it's, it's stupid to say this sort of thing, but it is kind of how these things are measured. You look at him, he has like 7,000 Twitter followers, right? Like we in the industry are high on AJ McKee, but it feels like the public has not been quick to jump on the train in the way that a lot of us have. It's an interesting point right there. Jose, your thoughts on this. Do you think the UFC would just be like, eh, we're going to offer you this. If he says no, screw it. He can just go back to Bellator. Or do you think they'd be like, or do you think they're thinking, you know what, this might be worth the investment because we could promote this guy. We could get this guy out in front of a, a lot of eyeballs. It might be actually worth, the, the juice might actually be worth the squeeze here. How would you sort of view it? I know it's hard to be the UFC and, and think of it from a business perspective, but how do you think they might be viewing him right now? I mean, it's hard to say until he finishes up his contract because if he just riles off three straight L's, they're not going to give him a lot of money. But if he goes out there and just like what Michael Chandler did to Benson Henderson on his last fight, just cooks the man, and then all of a sudden he's like, well, I'll play I'll field options and this and that, then well, we can have another conversation. So uh, it's hard to say until we see those fights. But I don't think they're going to back the Brinks trucks up because for whatever reason, AJ McKee has just not – captivated the mainstream audience like i think even when michael chandler was in in bellator he was doing a lot of he was he was playing he was going hand in hand with bellator like he was doing a lot of the promotion he was willing to fight these fights that maybe other people didn't want to take like remember that big madison square garden car where they had like the aaron pico show like chael sonnen fought vanderlei i think there was like there's all these other fights and then michael chandler fought um what's his crap what's his name the guy that when he snapped his when he hurt his ankle Brent uh, Brent Primus, Brent Primus, Brent Primus. No one wanted to fight Brent Primus, and he's like, "I'll fight him. I'm the Bellator guy." So, AJ McKee talking all this greasiness to Bellator obviously is not helping him. So they're not overly promoting a man saying, "I'm going to go to the UFC." So the audience might not see that. I agree with what everything Sean said uh, in terms of the social media analytics of AJ McKee. I don't have to get into this. I've said that numerous times on several preview shows, several post fight shows, probably on this show himself. AJ McKee just does not captivate the internet at all. He has fantastic fights. He's a fantastic fighter. He just doesn't translate and it doesn't make any sense that he's talking about other fighters uh, not in his promotion. So let's see how it plays out, but I don't think they're going to give him the money. I don't think he's going to weigh in as a backup for a championship fight like Michael Chandler did if he he hops over the UFC, if that makes sense. 
yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. And shout out to Patricio Pitbull. Well done, mm-hmm. the champ. I feel like he should be getting more shine, but we just have so much to freaking talk about right now. We're going to move ahead to round two. Another big story this past week, and we'll discuss that. We'll play. Uh, we'll, we'll talk briefly about the season debut for another promotion that took place last night. But the point for round one goes to... Goes to Sean Alshani. How about that? It's one to nothing. Terrific first round we're this close to crowning an nba champ and with the action heating up on the court it's even hotter at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use code vox mma that's code vox mma for new customers to get a no sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit only on DraftKings. the crown is yours Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. And by the way, I know it's been a while. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna knock down the door here. These points I'm giving away, it's an illusion, semantics. You all are the judges, all right? This is technically a five round matchup with game show like qualities, a little mm. peek behind the curtain, but uh there will be if, if there's not already a poll up on this page to cast your votes for either Sean or Jose throughout this matchup. So we talked Bellator, we're gonna talk more Bellator in a minute. But let's talk about what happened at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas this past Saturday because Bilal Muhammad closed a pretty chaotic show with a unanimous decision win over Vicente Luque. It was a huge win. He exacts some revenge, solid performance. He looked real good. Then he gets the microphone. I'm like, don't call out Usman. Don't call out Covington. Just lay waste to Shemaev. Just go after it. And what does he do, Jose? He calls out Colby Covington. So let me start with you. How do you grade Bilal's performance? Is this guy a true player at 170? And how would you grade the call out from Mr. Remember the Name? 
Well, his performance, he won pretty convincingly. It's not like there's any argument. Like, there's no one coming in there. There's no one in our comment section saying, oh, Luke, three, four, five, or something like that. Like, no, everyone knows <laughs> Allah Muhammad won. So that's the, that's A plus for convincingly. Maybe it wasn't the most exciting fight in the world, but he, he did the impossible. He made a Vicente Luque fight. Not that exciting. Good on him. He did his job. He got half his paycheck, and the man just keeps winning. At some point, we just got to accept the fact that Vicente Luque is a top five. Vicente Luque, Blah Muhammad is a top five welterweight in the world. He just doesn't lose right now, and he's beating. He's literally every t- fight he takes is a step up in competition. He's not just going from like fifteen to four. He's going like fifteen, twelve. Nine, and then he's just like climbing the ranks, and he just keeps winning. And then he beats Stephen Thompson. Oh, let's give him a murderer for five rounds. Does the same thing he did to Stephen Thompson to Vicente Luque, the quote unquote dark horse of the division, the one that put out Tyron Woodley and all these other guys. So good on you, Bilal Muhammad. Call out awful. Should have just went right after Hamza Shemaev. <laughs> I get, I get what he's saying. I get it because there is legitimate hatred for Bilal, like between Bilal Muhammad. For Colby Covington, like the man, I don't think he hates Hamza. I think he just wants he would fight him for like the title shot or like, uh, like halting the hype or stealing the hype. There is legitimate hatred for Colby Covington from Bilal Muhammad. So I get the call out in that aspect. It just wasn't the time. All eyes are on you. Just th- call out Hamza. It's right out. It's like the fight card after Hamza's fight. Hamza's like on like look at our YouTube numbers. I don't have to tell you the amount of traffic that Hamza Shemaev draws. Say his name on ESPN, you're going to blow up. And then you can use the post-fight show on ESPN Plus or whatever to talk about Colby, talk about Leon and this and that. Don't waste your two minutes of time on national television talking about a fight that's not going to happen. Beat Hamzat, then you could fight Colby, or you could get the title shot. And then if you get the title shot and win, you're guaranteed to fight Colby coming. So A-plus performance, terrible call-out, wasted call-out. But I get it. I understand where he's coming from. It was just the wrong name and the wrong time for that call out. Sean, I agree with a lot of with what Jose just said here. He's Blah Muhammad's on a tear right now. They, the man cannot find defeat anywhere. If he went searching for defeat, he's not going to find it. He's winning all these fights. He's fighting killers. He's the underdog in a lot of these fights, and he's going out there and winning. These call outs are killing him, Sean. They're <laughs> killing him. I did not like this call out at all. I just feel like Bilal has zero chance of getting this fight. I feel like Colby Covington has no idea who Bilal Muhammad is, and he's going to see zero value in the fight. And, and this is my humble opinion. Everything else about Bilal's game, the, the personality, his social media game, his fighting skills, he's tremendous. But the call-outs, the timing of these calls are horrendous. And I felt like the chance to cut a big promo on Hamzat was right there for him, and he didn't take it. And now he's doing the media rounds. Now we're getting the Hamzat call-outs. And now nobody really cares. So thoughts on the performance and thoughts on the call out. I mean, it was it was hilarious in the moment because you called it. I remember you tweeting something like a minute before his interview of something like, hey, just don't call out Colby here. Or like, hey, call out Hamza. <laughs> and then he does the exact thing. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, there's really it feels like there's really only one way to look at that. And that's exactly what you and Jose have both said. Right. Because what's the point of a call out? What's the point of, of, of you know, that moment you have on the microphone? It's to be able to sort of inception an idea into all of the audience's minds, right? Like I, if, you, if you just want to fight, I want you to put a great idea into my mind of what your next step, step should be before we all move on to whatever the next fight or the next week is or the next event, all of that. 
didn't really do it because he he did the one thing that he shouldn't, which is you got to be realistic with your callouts too, right? Like you have to put something out there that makes sense. And there's just no conceivable way he's going to actually land the Colby Covington fight because Colby is already kind of booked with Hamzat Shemaev. And the thing is, we know that Colby could, you know, play some Colby type of games that he tends to do with the UFC and get sort of talk himself out of that fight. And then they'll be looking for somebody to fight Hamzat and it would have been right there and Bilal could have just slid right into it. So, you know, that's still on the table. Like you said, he's, he's sort of pivoted a little bit now and he's talking about Hamzat now. Uh, so the call out was what it was. It wasn't ideal, but the performance man, like I know Bilal is like the fan base has still not come around to this guy and I get it. The last few fights in particular have not been particularly riveting. Um, it's a lot of wrestling. It's a lot of stalling. It's a lot of just ground control and top work on, on the ground. That's impressive to me, man. I mean, I, I'm not going to go back and rewatch those fights anytime soon, but to be able to do what he did to Steven Thompson, to be able to do it to Vicente Luque, very few people are able to do it to those guys. And at this point, it is becoming very difficult to say Bilal Muhammad is not one of the best top you know four guys in the world at this very very deep weight class because he's just doing it he's he's right he's the only person in this division right now other than kamaru usman who is actually going out there and fighting the fights and cranking through these contenders him and vicente luque were really the only two and i'm glad they were able to fight each other but it's it's just at a certain point the top guys in this division are not you know keeping it moving forward mostly Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal, who kind of are just sort of doing their own thing while taking up those spots at the top of the division. Meanwhile, Bilal Muhammad is scraping and clawing for every matchup he can possibly get. And as Jose said, doing that incremental climb of, hey, I just fought the eight guy. Now I'm going to fight the six guy. Now the five. Now the four. Like it is the slowest possible route for him. Uh, only Leon Edwards could 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 really agree and appreciate what Bilal is doing right now. But man, uh, I, I, it's it's impressive. It really is impressive because I would say who saw this coming, right? Like I think a lot of people thought Bilal could be a, a solid contender in this division. I, If you go back a few years, if you go back to even just three years ago when he was losing to Jeff Neal, I don't think many people would have predicted that Bilal Muhammad would be where he is today. And it's all it's all on him. He has worked tremendously hard to overhaul his game to really uh, become one of the best wrestlers in this division. And if you don't like it, you got to stop it. And right now nobody's stopping it. So kudos to Bilal. By the way, the that card brought me back to a conversation we had not that long ago. I don't know. I think it was 272. Might have been 272. But Tim Elliott gets a big win. And we wrote a few articles about Tim Elliott's victory. Tim coming out during his media scrum after the fight and basically admitting that he cheated. And then doing a follow-up interview with me saying that he cheated. And here's why I cheated. Because I'm here to make money. I'm not a martial artist. I'm a dude trying to win a fight and get paid and then there was a roundtable discussion about it. And people were just like, oh, these MMA fighting clickbaiters, you're defending cheaters. How dare you? And then we watched this card this past Saturday. And it leads this question, Sean Alshadi. Why is every fighter in the UFC not cheating right now? Because no <laughs> one's calling anything. Why not just cheat your ass off, man? Because it ain't oh, going to stop you and you're still going to win fights. What is going on here? Ah, God, I wish I knew Mike. Last weekend was such a bizarre, bizarre card to watch because you get the one. It's 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 one thing if it happens once, right? Like it happens early on the undercard, the the Chris Barnett fight. I think a fight that, you know, was one of the few fights that everyone was kind of looking forward to that ends in a very weird fashion. But then to have it happen again, like an hour or two later, it just there is no 
conceivable way. Like I, I've had people in the days since try to sit down and argue with me about this and explain, oh no, you know, they followed the rules. They did the real thing. They did the, you know, Big Dan did what he was supposed to do. There is no conceivable way that the man, the person, the fighter who inflicts an illegal action, who, who commits a foul on somebody should get rewarded with a win because of those actions. Like however else you want to frame this, however else you want to explain the rules to me, if you just cut it to that simple of a sentence, the person who cheated should not win because of cheating. Like that is just a, a very simple concept to understand. And it is bizarre to me that it is being defended by some people and bizarre to me that we even have to really have this conversation because there's no point in any other sport where someone can cheat and then be rewarded because of the cheating, regardless of whether they were already ahead, regardless of whether they meant to cheat, all of that, none of that matters. Like you should just shouldn't be able to win because of a foul you committed. If I'm playing, if I'm guarding a receiver in football and I'm the cornerback and I commit, you know, very grievous, like very bad pass interference. They don't just give us the ball because of that. Like that's not, we don't get rewarded because of something I did that was wrong. Like we get punished for it. Deservably so like all of that was so bizarre. I did not understand what I was watching after the second point, after it happened once again in in the co-main event, it's a very, very weird night. And it speaks to MMA that just no one knows the rules. The fighters don't know the rules. The, the rules are different in every state, seemingly. The, the, some of the officials don't know the rules. The commentators, the broadcasters definitely don't know the rules. It's all silly. Everyone should cheat. Obviously, everyone should cheat. You get free fouls left, right, and center, and apparently some of those fouls can get you a win. So why not cheat? Jose, our, our good buddy, A.K. Lee, always says, rules rule. Do they mm-hmm. really? They certainly don't in the UFC. What's going on here? How far can this go? I mean, rules are rules. I get like, I don't really care what, like if I just want rule, like I want to know what the rules are. If anything, if that makes sense, I don't particularly care (laughs) if they, if they say, Oh, you get to wear clown shoes for one round. You just get to pick. So be it. That's not going to change me covering the sport. I would just like that in stone. So then if someone accidentally wears clown shoes, two rounds, they'd be like foul. Can't do that. I just want to know what the rules are and I want them to be uniformed and rule. Like I, I can't remember who said it. Um, one of the, I saw some, one of the managers of one of the fighters that committed a foul was like, this rule is stupid, but it's still a rule. So we have to abide by it. And I think that's the camp I'm in. Like, I don't particularly like some of the rules are absolutely idiotic and like from a, from a era that just, it was so long ago that the, they just, it just doesn't make any sense at this tool, like 12, six elbows and all this kind of stuff, but they're there. Just don't do them. I don't care if you disagree with them, just, you know, don't do it. But at the same time, how many other like fighters have come out being like, well, what are the rules? What are the judges looking for? What is the referee looking for? Maybe just tell, maybe again, just tell me what the rules are and then I can follow them. So I don't do them. And if I commit a foul, like Sean said, You've committed a foul. You get penalized. You go to jail. Do not pass go. 15-yard penalty, whatever you want to call it. Just follow the rules, and that's that. I don't particularly care what the rules are. Just follow them. Yeah, just give us give us something to, to work off of because we, we try. We, we, we try to work off of these, and then they don't get called, and we're getting a warning, then a second warning, then a third warning, and then the stern warning, and then you know it's real. By the time we get to the fifth one, maybe we lose a point, but – Real quick, we could go on this for another hour, but there's so much going on. I did want to mention the PFL returning last night, Jose. It was not a bad debut. We had a great main event between Clay Collard and Jeremy Stevens. It didn't feel like I was watching the same event for a week and a half, 
which I liked. The pacing was a lot better. And whether you watch it or not, Jose, you're in the social media bubble seeing trends and likes and dislikes. Would you say this was a successful start to the year for the PFL in your eyes? Mm, in terms of trends, I wouldn't say it was overly successful yet, but it's it's a step in the right direction. I think this was a good – I think a lot of it was they, they picked a good day Wednesday when nothing is really going on in the MMA world, especially when there's no MMA hour on Wednesday. But – they're not competing with all the Bellator cards. They're not competing with the Tyson Fury, Dillian White show. They're not competing with the UFC. So I think they picked a good day to have it. And then they just lucked out that they had one of the best fights in the year in the main event. And it was like the perfect guys to do it. I So it was a good start. Let's keep it up. I agree with what you said in terms of the pacing. I think they probably listened to a lot of the criticism they got last year and made some adjustments. There's still some things I would change. I would like to see more fans in there and this and that. And I really really like how they use they, they actually know how to use the steady cam unlike a lot of the ufc broadcasts a lot of the camera angles they used i'm like see why doesn't the ufc do this they have all these fancy ass cameras and they're just using them for like the dumbest reasons and at least bell at least pfl has some sort of reasoning behind all of them so don't hate that lillian garcia is obviously great at what she does uh introducing everyone so it's a good start i should say they lucked out with that main event just being absolutely bonkers i wish that was five rounds that would have been a lot of fun but in terms of trends good start tbd if they keep it up though shaw what do you think i mean even if you didn't watch it you probably jumped on social media to see what's going on you probably jumped on mafighting.com to watch to see what with the results feel like this is a success in your eyes at least uh or agree with jose we're at least trending in the right direction all positives yeah i mean as far as pe- like it's graded on a scale, right? So for PFL coming out there, like like you said, having one of the best fights of the year uh, for their first main event of this season, like you couldn't ask for more than that. Clay Collar just consistently being this guy who's going to come in here and spoil these UFC fighters' debuts in PFL, like that's a fun little wrinkle. It's hard not to hate on, or it's hard to hate Clay Collard and what he's doing. You have Housh Manfield out here just underdog in every single fight he's ever going <laughs> to fight in, seemingly, and he continues to get it done. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, even Shoeface coming out there, 29 seconds, like there was a lot of good showings on it. It was a lot of fun fights. Um, I agree the pace getting hurried and, 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 you know, just a quicker pace throughout the night was a very welcome change. It le- feels like they at least listened to that level, the, the criticism around that, because that was one of the big criticisms from last season. The only thing I would add, if we're just going to make, you know, fixes based on people's complaints, can we please just get rid of this insane cluster F that's going on with all these stats on this screen? There's just like there's like 50 stats at all times about street strike speed and X, Y and Z and cage control and all of this at every, any given point on the broadcast. No one cares. No one's like here for that. Just get rid of it, man. It's too much. It's too much. All right. I mean, two rounds in and I'm, I'm feeling saucy in this room. I'm feeling it. What's the face, Jose? Were you uh, you like the stats, or are you just pondering your next? I like what the next. I like be? I like the stats. I just don't need all of them at the same time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's the thing. Is like one or two is fine. You just don't need all fifty stats at all times, just smashing up the screen. It's too much. Yeah, stats are great. I'm a big like baseball is my thing. I'll read stats. I'll read the back of baseball cards all day. Again, I don't like when I'm watching the fight, I don't need to see their striking efficiency with the left hand when they're fighting a right handed on the third Sunday of the month on um, <laughs> an odd on a prime numbered year. Like, I just don't need that. 
Yeah, you don't need the local minor league baseball stats. No. I hear you. No. I hear you. I'm, I'm Listen, with Jed. Judge, if, you, if you're going to yeah. do one stat, damage bar. do the ultimate stat. <laughs> it's the damage bar. Give me the damage bar. If you need to do oh, weird dude. stats that don't make any sense, just give me the damage bar. I'm here for that. Like That'll be weird. That'll be interesting. It's something fun. Otherwise, miss me with all the rest of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a very busy stretch for MMA. It's going to be a very busy weekend this weekend as well in the world of mixed martial arts. And that's where we are heading next. The point for round two goes to... Fresh with a new tattoo, Jose Youngs. It is one-to-one. Show the tattoo, dude. Look at that. Tattoo's getting so much airtime on these shows. It's Akatsuki Bobby Hill. I decided that I might have to do Hank Hill as Jiraiya on this arm, just to even it out. Well, there you go. You're you you guys all you, you guys all know what that means. I don't have to. I don't have to explain it to everyone. You guys all know what that means. <laughs> Silly me. Yeah, your tattoos have stories. My tattoos mm. are stupid. Well, I have one good tattoo, and you, you saw the other one. It's pretty awful. Mike, can you but, give me your your favorite Jiraiya moment? Yeah. Uh, it's when Jiraiya broke the rules and got a win in the UFC. Yeah, <laughs> I was going yeah. that. And got, his, and got his win bonus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Let's uh let, let's move on to to maybe Jirai's fighting this weekend because there's plenty of plenty of MMA action. Sean, we have uh, three big events coming up over the next couple of nights in the world of mixed martial arts. Of course, we have a big boxing butt as well. Bellator 278 tomorrow, headlined by Juliana Velasquez versus Liz Carmouche for the flyweight title. We have UFC Vegas 52, headlined by Jessica Andrade versus Amanda Lemos. And then Saturday night, we have Bellator 279. Headlined by Chris Cyborg versus Arlene Blanco, two for the featherweight title. We get an interim bantamweight title fight between Rafion Starts and Juan Archuleta. The Grand Prix officially begins with Kyoji Horiguchi versus Patchy Mix. Alimale McFarlane returns. You hear me talking about more of the fights on this card because clearly this is the card of the weekend, Sean. It has to be. But in the triple event weekend race of life, how far ahead is Bell- Bellator 279 in this race? <sighs> I don't know, man, how far ahead. Like, we're just, these are varying degrees of of mediocre, if we're being real, like, right? Like, these are poo-poo platters that we're just getting presented with multiple weeks in a row now. Uh, it's it's fine. Like, it's fine. We're going to watch because we're savages. We're just weirdos, and that's what we do. Uh, but I don't know that I'm particularly stoked about anything that we're about to watch over the next couple of days. Like, I'm here for any and all Jessica Andrade, like, because she is always fun, and Amanda Lemos is kind of low-key just a monster. And so that'll be, like, a really fun fight for however long it lasts. Uh, and outside of that, man, like, I don't know. It's great. I guess it's fine. It's not great, but, but it's fine. It's watchable. It's fights like Stotts versus Archuleta is fun. Uh, Horiguchi versus Mix is fun. Cyborg versus Blenkow is the weirdest, most unnecessary rematch I've ever seen in my entire life. But I guess you just need to give Cyborg a live body every couple months so she so she can do something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's fine. The real fight of the weekend, if we're being honest, is Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. Like that's the big one that I think far surpasses anything that we're talking about but you didn't ask me that yes i'm sure we will discuss that uh very soon on this program a little bit of a spoiler alert jose mm. maybe you're a little more positive about this i mean if mm-hmm. you're a hype if you're, if you're a promotion out there an up-and-coming promotion you need a hype man you need to give sean alshadi a call because i'm ready to watch some mma after hearing <laughs> that but your thoughts on on the slate this weekend <laughs> well first of all shout out to you know three 
high level MMA fight cards, all headlined by high level women, martial arts, female martial arts. So good on you, female fighters. Like what? 10 years ago, you weren't even in the UFC and now you get two title fights and a straw weight main event, which we don't normally get. And we can all agree straw weight is just the most stacked female division in the world. Like that's just not an argument. That's just happening. Uh, Whether Amanda Lemos won her last fight or not against Angela Hill, that is not the conversation we had. I'm also with on the same side as Sean where I'll watch Jessica Andrade do anything. She's awesome. Like I'll watch her like fist fight anything and I'll be excited. Um, I also said many a time that when the best does something, I'm going to tune in. I don't care who it's against or where it is. I think Chris Cyborg is, you know, one of the five greatest. No, scratch that. Three greatest female fighters in the history of mixed martial arts. So I'm going to watch her fight anyone. Don't care if it's a rematch. Don't care if it's a trilogy. Don't care if she's fighting the same person 10 times in a row. I'm going to watch Chris Cyborg fight a dead body. That's how I'm going to say it. Uh, Juan Archuleta is awesome. I think, you know, he had that long win streak. He's don't understand the conquistador gimmick because he's a, he's a Mexican Spanish individual. Speak on wears, it, Jose. Who, Speak on you it. know, let's talk about that. I do not understand how you can walk out with the Mexican flag and a conquistador helmet. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. We can talk about that at another time. We don't have to give it any more time because it is stupid and silly. And any Mexican out there should just be just <laughs> flabbergasted that an individual could do that. Patrick Mix is great. Kyoji Horiguchi, let's not forget MMAfighting.com. There were a couple guys on this website saying Kyoji Horiguchi was the best bantamweight on planet Earth. Looked real good until he got his the off button hit on uh uh, Sergio Pettis and people on the site will probably still rank Kyoji Horiguchi above Sergio Pettis. He's fighting. Alimelay McFarlane is fighting in Hawaii. Last time she fought in Hawaii, Casey made that cool video on it. She used that video to meet her current. I don't know if they got married yet, but they were engaged. If they got married, congratulations. She used that to be like, this is what I do. Look at this cool video. So good on everyone involved. Also, like Yancy Medeiros is fighting on the prelims card. Remember, he, he's headlined UFC fights. He had that weird fight against Lando Venata that everyone thought was going to be the best thing in the world. So I'll watch Yancey Medeiros fight too. And then Liz Carmouche, first openly gay fighter in UFC history, took part in the historic first female fight in the history of the UFC. Good on her. She gets another title fight to avenge her teammate, Ali Malay McFarlane. So fun fights all around. And no one's talked about it. Tyson Pedro's fighting for the first time in four years. He last fought against Shogun. And then, like, the next day, Tyson Fury fought Deontay Wilder for the first time or something crazy like that. So that's how long he's fought. He bookended Tyson Fury fights. It's just I don't have any issue with a lot of the top. Like, it's a little top heavy. You know, like, I'm interested in all the title fights. I'm interested in the main event of the UFC card. I think the UFC card this week, as much as we poo-poo it, is, like, leaps and bounds better than last week's. Because, like, you know, you got Marcin Pratt. You know, you got Jordan Wright, Dwight Grant. These are all interesting fighters on the prelims. But I am much more intrigued than Sean, but I'm not going to call them A-plus fight cards. There are intriguing matchups, though. I'll leave it at that. Man, I mean, you got the the Casey Airhorn mm. treatment multiple times during that rant. So, all right. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, great job promoting and great job getting people fired up, Jose. Also, but let's, shout, let's out to, really shout out to Charles, Dor- Charles Jordan, the baddest World of Warcraft player in the UFC. He's fighting, too. Well, maybe this is one I half. Think Rob of, Whitaker of, of probably has something to say about that. Yes, wow. exactly. Is he a wow guy? He's he's more of a Skyrim guy. I thought he he was at one point a wow guy. I mm. don't know if he still is. Does he have the horde tattooed on his leg like Charles Jordan? Probably not. That gives Charles Jordan the edge in my mind. <laughs> all right, all right, we're being willy nilly with the air horn right now. <laughs> I know. Just I mean anything. 
so so let's sell this UFC card a little bit more, Jose, because mm. we mentioned it already. Solid main event. We got Andrade versus Lamos. And if you ask me two hours ago what the best fight on the card was, the card, the fight I was looking forward to the most on this card, it was Manel Cap versus Sumedergy. Yeah. yeah. But that is no longer happening. Cap is out due to personal reasons. Hope we can see both of those guys back in there soon. Maderji, we're just not seeing enough. We get him once a year, and he's on a yeah. three-fight winning streak, and Cap is just really good. Look, there's some good competitive matchups. You mes- mes- mentioned Charles Jordan. He's fighting freaking Lando Venata. You know that's going to be mm-hmm. fun. We get some good up-and-comers. Not the deepest lineup of all time, but uh, what is the fight on this card outside of the main events that you're looking forward to? And I'm going to take Jordan and Venata off the table for you as yeah. well. We're going to have to yeah. dig a little deeper. Mm, the fight I'm looking most forward to because that's tough. I was really looking forward to who who's Ro- Romanov Bozer was going to be good. Now that Chase Sherman is back, I think Romanov's just going to steamroll him. So I don't. I, I guess Macy Barber and Montana De La Rosa is going to drum up some sort of interest on the internet because you know people either hate or love Macy. Um, personally, I was big. I I'm I'm going to go back to it. I'm excited to see Tyson Pedro versus Ike Villanueva. Ike Villanueva is basically the real life. Like we're gonna we're gonna keep the King of the Hill theme going. He's essentially the real life Boomhauer, uh, as Paul Paul Felder said. I actually got to chit chat with him a lot when he was on Fight Island because I can't remember who he fought, but he fought that guy that did like the was it uh, Vinicius that he did like the kick punch thing that Daniel Cormier was making fun of. Uh, so I'm excited to see him fight Tyson Pedro. Tyson Pedro, like I said, he's been out with injuries forever, and I thought I didn't think he was ever gonna fight again, honestly. So. I'm very excited to see just him back being able to fight and make money and all this sorts of thing. And then Ike Villanueva always has a soft spot in my heart. So it might, it's absolutely not going to be the best fight of the card. It might even be like a flash knockout or the ugliest fight. But personally, I'm excited for that fight. Sean, what you got? I mean, you know me, Mike. I'm I'm always one for nostalgia. I'm a real sucker for, for nostalgia. I'm the old head over here on the website. So for me, I mean, I gotta I gotta go with my man Clay Guida, like you said at the top. Like I, I I sat down with an for an hour with Clay over the past week and sort of just he walked me through you know his, some of his favorite moments of his career. Like he's going on 19 years now at this point. Dude is 40 years old, still fighting like a maniac, still has cardio for days, and really conceivably could be three and zero in his last three fights. Like if he gets one more scorecard going his way against Marco Madsen, we're looking at a three and O Clay Guida at age forty in this lightweight division. Like I'm here for that. Uh, that dude's a legend, and anytime he can go out there and have some fun, uh, I'm here for it. Who, who knows how much longer he's gonna be doing this? Although if if you take him at his word, he'll be doing this in another ten years, and it's hard to doubt him at this point. So I'm here for some Clay Guida action. Yes, that is always fun, taking on Claudio Poyas. Uh, again, great piece on MMAfighting.com from the great channel, Shadi, about Clay Guida taking a stroll down memory lane of his uh, of his past fights. Really good stuff. Clay Guida is just, I mean, he's a unicorn. Why, I mean, what else can you say? So we'll move on. We will, uh, we're going to play a fun little game next that I just thought of at the top of my head that I figured we needed to do because there's so much happening. So the point for round three goes to... Maybe the new Prince of Positivity, Jose Young's. It is two to one. <laughs> Great stuff. So we're gonna play. Uh, we're gonna play a little game of buy or sell. All right, and there's a couple of ways we can go with this. We could we could play the game of buy or sell. This fight will happen, or buy or sell. I'm actually going to watch this fight when it happens. So again, just made this decision on the fly, gentlemen. First off, we're gonna go to the world of boxing because there's been some back and forth. There's been a 
show me you can do this, show me you could do that set of hurdles placed on a proverbial road by Jake Paul towards former UFC middleweight champion Michael Bisbing. The count has called Paul's bluff at every turn thus far. And maybe we maybe we're on to something here. I don't know, Jose. I, buy or sell that this fight is something you would watch with great interest and also whether or not this might actually happen. Jake Paul versus Michael Bisbing in the squared circle, slinging some leather at each other. I mean, I'll watch the hell out of that build because I think Jake Paul has bitten off way more than he can chew with trying to get into <laughs> a, a, a verbal sparring match with Michael Bisbing. Like, the man, like Michael Bisbing, there's a reason Michael Bisbing is a broadcaster. He's a commentator. And, like, I think Michael Bisbing said it best. Like, Ben Askren is an interesting guy. He says a lot of fun. He, he talks a lot of trash, but it's like you can kind of see through it. Like, he's trying to build the fight. Uh, Tyron Woodley, same thing. Michael Bisbing is a witty British man who just will not back down. And yeah, like he like every and what he has is he's hyper self-aware of things that has happened to him. Like Mike, like what are you going to bring up? He has one eye. He got knocked out by Dan Henderson. He hasn't made as much money as Jake Paul. And, and Michael Bisbing's like, yeah, I know. Like, what are you going to do? It's like eight mile when 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 freaking Eminem's character just starts ranting and making fun of himself. And then he passes the mic over and there's Anthony Mackie's character is like, oh, no, what am I going to say now? And then he just quits. That's basically what's happening right now. So I'll watch the hell out of the build because I think actually Michael Bisping will just run circles around Jake Paul in terms of verbal sparring, in terms of the actual fight. Michael Bisping has had a lot of lot of medical issues. He's missing an eye. He's how many hips does he have, or how many knees does he have? His hips are probably all wonked out. Uh, he hasn't, you know, been a professional fighter since what 2017, 2018. We'd be fighting a significantly younger man who hits very, very hard. Will he win? I don't know. I would give Michael Bisping a better shot than Tyron Woodley, Ben Askren, and all these other guys. But again, it's just bizarre that Jake Paul is calling out like a 40 year old that's not named Anderson Silva. Because like, let's that's the fight. Like I've talked to Dan White several times about this on site. He's like, why doesn't that fight just happen? Just call Anderson. They'll make that fight tomorrow. Um, just weird. Or, you know, just is don't it, call out. Call what? Is it, what? Is it, is it weird? Is it that bizarre? No, I'm to saying me, it's, to me, this feels it's, like exactly it's bizarre the guy that, that he's going to call out. Sure. But it's bizarre in the sense that he was on the MMA hour saying like, yeah, I'll fight Anderson Silva. And then he has the opportunity and he's not bringing it up. He's calling out like I'm one eyed man that hasn't fought in so long so that is bizarre to me don't backtrack on what you said people it's not bizarre at all like that dude for for all of his faults and i'm sure he has a lot um he's very good at this whole matchmaking thing and he's very good at picking fights for himself that a he knows he could win but b he knows he could sell i think the anderson fight is one he knows b he's or a he's definitely probably not gonna win and then b Anderson doesn't speak English and just isn't generally here for your BS. So, like, I don't know that the, the lead up to that fight would be very interesting either. It'd probably just be Anderson goofing around and just all of us talking about, oh man, like Anderson's probably a style on this fool. So, like, I don't know that that's really what Jake's looking for. But Mike, Mike's like one of the best trash talkers that we've ever had. Like, the fans today do not understand how damn good Mike is at this whole build up for a fight thing. Like, he hasn't won a fight. And I think six years at this point, you have to go back to the Hendo second fight. Uh, but man, that dude can sell a fight better than anyone. And in particular now, as he's doing all his YouTube stuff, his commentary stuff, he's just generally talking for a living rather than training for a living. I'm sure he's even better at it because too, because he's also kind of got that, Jose alluded to this, but he's got that old man confidence in him where it's just like, what are you going to say to Mike? 
that's like going to get him riled up or like actually upset. Like no matter what you say to him, if you're Jake Paul, like Mike is going to have an answer for it and he's just going to laugh you off, dude. Like he's someone who's very secure in himself. He's a world champion. He accomplished every dream that he ever wanted to set, that he ever set out to do. Like Mike's here for it. Is that fight going to happen? I don't think so. Uh, Cause as we mentioned, it's a man with one eyeball uh, or I guess one working eye and zero working knees who hasn't won a fight in six years and got brutally knocked out in the last time we ever saw him in the cage. So I don't know if that fight will get booked because I don't know what commission would actually hold that fight in the United States. There's always going to be someone who's, who's going to do be willing to do it, but that'd be a, a, a leap for Jake Paul to make to really have to try to circumvent some, some American commissions with that stuff and, and maybe hold it in Canada or whatever. We've already seen one of the Canadian commissions seem to come out and say they would do it. So we'll see. I don't, I don't see that fight happening though. I, I, I just don't think that um, logistically it's going to work out in the way that maybe Jake wants it to, but God, the Anderson one would be fun. I really would just for my own personal enjoyment. I would love to see the Anderson one. Okay. If you could give me the Michael Bisping buildup and then just the Anderson Silva fight, like that's it. Let me do that. Let me let me like just let Mike just be like the 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 Paul the Heyman manager for Anderson. Yeah. yeah, like let him just do all the talking this entire time, and then let Anderson go in and fight, and we get the best of both worlds. That's the move, dude. That is an amazing idea. We don't. I mean, we're we're gonna keep going with this, but Sean's clearly getting the point after dropping that nugget. But uh, <laughs> let's move to this one because we have talked about this fight and this potential matchup many many times on this show and all of our other shows. But Sean, Dana White was asked about it recently. He publicly said he liked the idea. He said it made sense. Two guys that are pretty tough to lock down by themselves, let alone in the same fight. But buy or sell this summer, the year of our Lord 2022, we see John Jones versus Stipe Miocic inside that octagon. Oh, man. Buy or sell that. I'm, it's hard for me to buy John just fighting generally because we've been burned so many different times with him. I'm going to say buy because it feels like it's the time is kind of right and just feels like maybe the momentum is right for this one. Obviously, heavyweight division is weird right now. Francis could be out for a long time. Who knows if Francis ever fights in the UFC again with what's going on with him contract-wise. Uh, so this would be the perfect interim title fight to sort of set up. Uh, I'm going to say bye because I want it to happen and also because it just does feel like at some point John's got to fight. At some point, we are going to actually see John Jones fight again. Why not this summer? I'm saying bye. Jose, you buying sell, this or you selling it? Sell, sell. I don't believe anything John Jones or Dana White says in terms of their fighting career. Like, how, like Sean said it, like John Jones' last fight was against Dominic Reyes in February 20, like what, 2020? Like, what do we like? It's almost it's been more than two years since John Jones fought. Like for all we know, something could happen to him between now like between now and July is a lot of time for something else to happen or for other people to say something. So sell it completely. I Mike, what what do I say all the time? What do I say even when contracts are quote unquote signed? What do I always say? What do I always say? It ain't official until both guys are in the cage. Bam! John Jones signs the contract. Stipe signs the contract. I'm still not convinced it's happening. I've been burned too many times by too many fights I've wanted to see. I sell that completely. Not happening. All right, we will end in the world of boxing here. A little boxing sandwich, as we confirmed today, just a few hours ago, as a matter of fact. An eight-round exhibition boxing match is going to take place. <laughs> that is July not where 2nd. I thought you were going. That is not where I thought this was going either. <laughs> July 2nd, Manchester, England. 
between Dan Hardy and Diego Sanchez. This was definitely on all of our bingo cards this year. It's a big day in the combat sports world, July 2nd. So I don't know how much buzz and attention this whole thing is going to get, but buy or sell your interest in watching 16 potential minutes of these guys throwing 16 ounces at each other. Who's this? Jose? To me, uh, buy or sell this, this, like, I don't know what this fight is even going to be, man. Like it is, it's a fight that if you told me Dan Hardy was going to fight someone in some sort of combat sport, I Diego Sanchez would be on my short list because they've had beef in the past. They're both in that era, that generation of fighters, but it's real gross. I don't particularly like it. I want to know how Dan Hardy is physically. Cause he didn't have that. Like what, what's his heart condition called? like the wolf syndrome thing. Like it's, it's just, it, it, I have a lot of weird feelings about it, um, but at least it's an exhibition fight. So allegedly there'll be no knockouts and this and that. Apparently, you know, I assume you can't bet on it and I'm going to watch the hell out of it. At least it's eight rounds and not 12. I just feel real icky while I'm making that graphic for MMA fighting's Instagram page today. Cause again, it feels weird watching that in 2022. Sean, here we are. Diego Sanchez fighting Kevin Lee and Dan Hardy back to back in two different combat sports. Buy or sell? Sell, sell. Obviously, sell. Like, the, sell is the only reasonable answer here. Like, Diego Sanchez. I love Diego Sanchez. He's a legend. He, there is no way Diego Sanchez should be boxing right now, right? Because if you book Diego Sanchez in an MMA fight. If I'm watching, I want to see Diego wrestle and I want to see Diego not get punched in the face a lot because he's already been punched in the face way too much over the course of way too long in his career at this point. Like that is not a man who needs extra punches in the face and in the head at this point in his life and his career. All he's going to do in this fight is get punched in the head by Dan Hardy. Like I don't, we haven't seen Dan Hardy in a really long time. Who knows what shape he's in, what condition he's going to be in. But I've seen Diego. I know what shape and condition Diego's in. And I do not want to see him get punched with these big gloves that disperse the weight of the blow all over, you know, all across the head and, and you know, give standing eight counts and whatever. All this, like, I just don't want to see Diego in boxing, man. That's a terrible idea for someone who is taking so, such an exorbitant amount of damage in MMA like sell everything about this the fact that this is happening is gross I'm not into it um I'm sure I'll watch it because we're all just you know we're, we're terrible people at the end of the day uh like we, we can't get enough so I'm sure I'll watch it but I'm not here for it at all and I'm very much not looking forward to it it's the same day as uh UFC 276 so I don't know maybe they they drop this little nugget oh, so, in the morning so there you go. or something I won't watch now I have an excuse not to watch there you go all right. Regulation is over. Point for round four goes to. I mean, it goes to Sean Alshadi. He had this mm. thing won like two minutes into the fourth mm. round, but <laughs> still a 10-9 in the MMA scoring system of life because Jose uh, made this very close. So that means we're going to go to the knockout round. This is where the fans, the viewing audience right now, this is where you come in and vote for the winner between Jose and Sean. We're going to have a fun little question. I just thought of it a couple of rounds ago during a, a hype session. So we're going to, we're going to do some hyping up in this, in this final round. Each competitor is going to get 60 seconds to hype something up of thing, or actually technically of their choosing. And then we will go to you guys and then we'll go to the E Casey Lydon who will announce the winner based on your vote. So Jose, do you want to go first? Or do you want to choose the number of the door that you will be hyping up? Oh, first? wow. 
Oh, like we're getting mm. assigned these topics? Yep. All right. I'll let Sean go first then. Okay. All right, Sean. You're gonna you're gonna be the hype man. You're gonna be the manager. You're gonna be the uh, the, the the co guy. You're gonna be the Paul Heyman, if you will, for one of these three people. Maybe even a lawyer in, in one of these cases. Because I just looked at oh. this and I just wrote these down, and this is what we're gonna do. So you could choose number one, two, or three, and you're gonna have to hype this individual up or defend them in some way. Give me number one for D book. Let's go. There you oh, go. Oh boy, you're good. You're going to love this one, Sean. You are going to defend a man who is in the news today and is in the news probably more than anybody in combat sports. You are here to defend the former heavyweight champion of the world. There we go. Iron Mike Tyson. One minute on the clock. Defend away, my man. Go ahead. What do I even need to defend? We all know who was in the right here. We all saw the video. This is ridiculous that this is even a thing and this speaks to our times where i think it's actually iron mike who said something in the effect of social media has really gotten a lot of these people comfortable with the idea of talking trash and in person and not getting punched in the mouth that dude out there fucked around and found out sorry to swear on this program but that's what happens you fuck around you find out i have never been drunk enough in my entire lifetime to be at the point where it's like oh there's mike tyson It'd be a really great idea to just keep poking and prodding and provoking him until something happened. Like, that's craziness. And if that's where your head's at at any point in your life, you made a bunch of wrong decisions and you deserve to find out. And so that gentleman found out and I'm here for it. And I hope nothing happens to Mike because we all saw the video. And frankly, that sad boy's face after he found out was delicious. And, I'm, and I, I love every second of it. Go Iron Mike. I, I, I wish you uh, could have done that three more times. <laughs> well done. That's it. All right, and some extra time to spare. This is one of those things where Jose is like, damn it, I should have picked number one first before I pass it on over to Sean. Yeah. But Jose, you still have some good choices, and you're very good at this. You know how to, to sway people. You are a hype man after all. So mm. you have number two and number That's three true. to choose from. Uh, number three. Alan right. Iverson. I don't think – all right. That's the only one I can think of. <laughs> Jody Reed, was he number three? Or is he number oh, Babe Ruth was number three. There. Damn it. Ah, there you go. All right, you're going to be the hype man for the reigning, unified UFC Bantamweight champion of the world, Oh, Aljamain Sterling. One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. I mean, we start? All right. Aljamain Sterling, for as much as people hate Aljamain Sterling, I've like he just like the man wins. The man wins. Like I get what everyone's complaining. Oh, fragile champion. Oh, Academy Awards. All this and that. But guess what? These individuals, before they're martial artists, before they're wrestlers, before all this stuff, they are prize fighters. I don't care what it takes to get you to tune into a fight. They're gonna like. I want to hear it. Give me all of it. If it's gonna be a fragile egoed champion who just needs to print out fake. Uh, apology cards, so be it. Because guess what? You're going to want to watch him fight because you might you hate him or you love him. A lot of people hate Alzheimer's Sterling. And guess what? They're still going to give him his money and they're still going to buy his merch and they're still going to burn it. And guess what? He's going to wipe away all the tears, Woody Harrelson style, with a whole lot of money. Then he gets to go fight TJ Dillashaw, another former champion. Or Jose Aldo, another former champion. Alzheimer's Sterling's stock has never been higher and he's never been more hated. And that is fantastic for prize fighters. I mean, what a great job by Jose there. By the way, for uh, full disclosure, number two was Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards. So there we go. Tyson Sterling in the books. Go ahead and uh, get your votes in. 
Tomorrow, it is Friday. We have a lot to preview on a live preview show. We have Bellator events. We got UFC events. We got Tyson Fury versus Dillian White, which will be the fight of the weekend for sure. That's going to mm-hmm. be like sort of the appetizer for the rest of the Saturday slate. So we're going to we're really going to start on a high note and we'll see if these other promotions can keep up with Tyson Fury's energy and Dillian White's energy. That should be a, a lot of fun. And apparently Tommy Fury is fighting on this card too. So maybe Bellator is promoting this event as well. Because uh, nobody no knew that, that until like an no hour idea. ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we're killing time, no I just want to say too about the Mike, the Iron Mike situation. Like, Jose, I think you've talked to Mike too in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Mike is such a sweet guy. He's such a days. sweet guy. He's like one of the nicest human beings I've ever met in my entire life. Also, he's just consistently very, very stoned, which is just like the yeah. combination of being really nice and really stoned. Like you had to do something really, really just like annoying and not leave this dude alone and really push him over the edge to get him to that point. Because that is like he's a genuinely good dude yeah. these days. Yeah. Also, not for nothing, regard like let's let's say it's not Mike Tyson. Let's say it's random stranger. Still don't do it. Don't be an asshole on airplanes. End of story. Airplane 100%. etiquette, man. Where yeah. is airplane yeah. etiquette these days? Bruh, it's gone. Yeah, last like, time I was to, on an airplane, to be on an airplane. I'm, I'm in middle. I'm in middle seat, so you know etiquette. I'm supposed to get the two armrests. We had we had dude on my right hogging the right armrest. Dude on my left yeah. hogging the left armrest. I almost threw hands there. It was just like, guys, come on. You need to follow the rules. Follow the airplane rules. <laughs> Do not allow. Uh, I mean, listen, airplane etiquette is, is a great topic, but that cannot go into the voting here, okay? Mm. Casey is on screen, which means I believe uh, we're all tabulated here with some new headphones on, I, I, it looks like as well. I can Casey, probably hazard a guess who's going to win this between a man defending Mike Tyson and a man defending Aljamain Sterling. Let's be real. I'm being realistic. Most fighters in this world, a la Aljamain Sterling said, you need to be realistic with the judging. I understand what is coming. I'm not going to argue it. Casey, All right, I am closing the voting down right now. Oh boy. Your winner. Ooh, wait, I need to turn my other music off. <laughs> Your winner. With 50. One percent of the votes. Whoa, whoa. The man with the best Bobby Hill tattoo, Jose Youngs. Wow. wow. Jose gets it done. Oh my gosh. That's very bizarre. Yes, 51%. The Jose. closest vote we've ever had. That's what's up. Wow. Look at that, Jose. You get a Bobby Hill tattoo what? and the fortunes change big, on BTL. Big pun has never steered me wrong since I first listened to him when I was 10 years old, and it continues now. Shout out to my RIP, big pun. Yes. Jose, you now have 30 seconds to talk about whatever you want to talk about. If you want to uh, you want to wrap some big pun. Look, at, I hit I hit my desk so hard my camera jostled. Now I'm all crooked. That's how, that's how fired up I am to watch Dillian White fight Tyson Fury. Everyone's talking about Tyson Fury is going to just mollywop the rest of the division. Let's not forget, Dillian, the body snatcher white, is just happens to be the fourth best heavyweight in the world for the longest time after the three pillars of Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, 
and Tyson Fury. I have been on record saying I think Tyson Fury is the most talented, not greatest, is just in talent and greatness. I think Tyson Fury is the most talented heavyweight boxer I have ever seen in my life. At the same time, he took so much damage from Deontay Wilder. Three of the best heavyweight title fights I've ever seen. Just, you know, rattled them off in a row. Cemented himself as one of the greatest heavyweights ever. You can't keep that up for too long and then go right into a fight with Dillian White, who is taking this so seriously. Because Dillian White has lost to Anthony Joshua and Povechkin, who he then avenged his next fight. So let's halt this conversation now that if Dillian White does win, which I'm not saying he is, I'm, I'm going to pick Tyson Fury. But if Dillian White wins, it is not an upset. The man is a monster. The man, like, if he goes out there and just, like, one, two, and then body shots Tyson Fury, wouldn't be surprised. And then all of a sudden, the man that uh, I'm supposed to be facing this week, his parlay or whatever, is out of the, is, is done. It's donezo, probably. So uh, bring on whoever I have to fight next, that dork from Georgia that pretends he's from New York and watches MMA once a week. I can mollywop him next week, too. Wow, I love it. Sean, your thoughts on uh, on the votes here? Because I, th- I thought yeah, you did an incredible job. I thought you getting Mike Tyson, I, mean, it was, I thought that was a clear victory here. Yeah, same, honestly. <laughs> My thoughts on the vote, I mean, I don't know. Come on. I came in here with a heavy heart. I'm, I'm, I got this Devin Booker baggage just weighing over me. Jose's out here. He's already a traitor. He's rooting for the Celtics. Like, what are we talking yeah. about? He's, he's riding high, and I can't even get – the people can't even lift me up. I was really relying on the people to lift me up. Damn. And Evans in the and Evans in the comment just throwing strays. Sean won that. You can't judge these based on looks. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Catch, I don't know what to do. Just I'm just catching strays. I'm just a sad boy That's right hilarious. now. I'm gonna have to go wallow in my sadness for another day until the Suns uh, can pull me out of it. Well, I, I, I'm rooting for them to do so, Sean. We are out of here. A lot of combat sports ahead of us over the next few days, and. We're here for it, and we hope we need as well. We very badly need a Celtics Suns final because I have a fun bet for the site with Sean that we will undertake if we if our teams meet in the finals. Explain this. There we go. There we go. Planting some seeds. If if Celtics Suns make it to the finals, the loser does a shoey outside the footprint center. In, in. Already. That's what's gonna happen. Let's do it. I'm there. Let's hope that happens first. Let's just do yes, that. Let us hope that happens after the Charles Oliveira Gaethje fight. Anyway, deal. Good night, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Vox MMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. 
For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.